clarity, connection, authenticity. I'm Alexa Ray, former mental health clinician turned life coach. I quit my full-time career because I was sick of working in a healthcare system where people were not getting the help they needed to actually shift and there were so many gaps present. I am shaking up the mental health game to help women reconnect to their authentic selves and rewrite their story from who they think they should be to who they want to be. In Authentically You, we'll be talking about all things that limit us from connecting to our authentic self. Trauma, self-worth, self-esteem, relationships, communication, addiction, self-compassion, body image, disordered eating, anxiety, challenging beliefs, all of these things. Bottom line is, I want this to help you feel seen, to help you feel safe, heard, and validated. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Authentically You. Today, we are continuing on with our attachment series where I'm walking everyone through the four types of attachment styles. And so the previous episode, I talked all about secure attachment. What does that look like? How is it developed? All of those things. Today, we are carrying on with talking all about anxious attachment style, um, you know, symptoms, what does it look like? How is it developed in childhood? What can we do about it if we're living this way? All of these sorts of things. And I think when I work with a lot of women in my healing practice, I, I see a lot of anxious attachment style. Um, and you know, it usually like, we'll, we'll know it's, it's attached to low self-esteem and stuff like that. And so that's probably why a lot of them do show up and, and work with me. But I, I, I just want to start talking about essentially, you know, what does it look like so we can sort of get past this um, attachment to the attachment style, if that makes sense. The attachment to the attachment style. So you can start to rewrite what attachment looks like for you. And this is going to help you in relationships tenfold. So anxious attachment is one of the three insecure attachment styles. Like I said before, we talked about secure attachment. Uh, in the previous episode, and now we're going to be going through the three types of insecure attachment styles. And this is also known as anxious, ambivalent attachment in children and anxious attachment develops in early childhood. We're going to dig deeper into that as we go. And more often, um, it's really due to misattuned and inconsistent parenting, which we'll dig into as well. And when we look at common signs of anxious attachment. What I like, uh, what I notice as well as the research demonstrates is we have low self-worth, low self-esteem. There's a big, strong fear or anxiety around feeling or being rejected, abandonment wounding. And you really will see a lot of clinginess. I don't really like that word clinginess or neediness is another word that people will describe this as in relationships. And we'll notice these are the common signs of an anxious attachment style. So we're going to dig more into what it actually looks like. And when I say relationships, I don't specifically just mean intimate relationships. This happens a lot in friendships as well. And this is a, a big part in regards why women really have a struggling, have a struggle with keeping and maintaining friendships with women. And so we'll, we'll talk about what that looks like. So when I say relationships, I mean across the board. And I do also want to say that if you're listening to this stuff and you're really resonating or you have an anxious attachment style and you're really interested in any of the insecure ones that we talk about, you know, even though it requires effort, 
people who are living with attachment issues or struggles can develop secure attachment styles over time. Okay. So I want to, I want to really acknowledge it before we move on is that if you're listening, you're like, Oh, this is me. I don't know what to do about it. I'm overwhelmed now. I'm more anxious talking about my anxious attachment style. No, that doesn't mean that this is set in stone. And this is all the work that I do is helping women rewrite this narrative that they have about themselves. And this would be one of those narratives. And so, you know, some of the, the big things that people really don't understand is that anxious attachment comes from childhood. And so people will say that they're in these relationships as an adult. And they're like, I don't know why I'm so needy or so clingy or overwhelmed by them, fear of them leaving me, you know, what happened in this relationship, but it's not that relationship that's developed that insecurity. It's your childhood. And that's why we'll talk about going back to your childhood and and sort of reevaluating that will be beneficial for you in regards to moving on and evolving past this insecure attachment style. And so before we talk about this specific, I just want to acknowledge, you know, um, when we think about attachment, I, in the previous episode, I talk a little bit about attachment theory itself. And so go back and listen to that episode. If you want to learn more about the specific uh, details of the attachment theory, and remember that there are three types of insecure attachment. There is anxious, which we're talking about today. Some people call it preoccupied. There's avoidant, which we'll be talking about next, which is also known as dismissive. And then the third one is disorganized, which is uh, known as also known as fearful avoidant. So we will be talking all about those, but if you want to know more about the actual theory, go back to the previous episode. And so when we think about anxious attachment, you know, appreciation, um, attention, support, these things come to mind for me in my relationship and what I want from my relationship in general. Um, you know, everyone, most people crave that we, we crave that. So we, we want to feel loved. We want to feel secure, valued, appreciated in our relationships and no one, nobody likes to be left out in the cold. So excuse me. <laughs> oh goodness. I was choking on my coffee there. Um, we, um, you know, when people will say like, you know, but I, I just, I really don't feel appreciated. I don't feel that I'm getting enough attention or support. It is very normal, neurotypical to seek approval, help and emotional responsiveness from partners, friends, family, all relationships that you're in. So, you know, it's not something to shame yourself over. Um, but I think when we think about anxious attachment style, the question is, is it normal to fear losing someone's love, right? Whether you're, what kind of relationship that is, is that normal? But, um, the question, sorry, the answer is yes, it is normal that, you know, uh, sure. I could lose my friendships. I could lose my partner, all of these things. I could lose their love. That is also, I think a rational fear, but the, the caveat is that what if these needs and fears become too strong? They override things. Can the need for safety and the fear of abandonment that people are living with be so powerful that they control your relationships? Yes. This is an anxious attachment style. And it might not always be easy to recognize an insecure attachment style in adults, but when you really pay attention to it and the work that I do, we really, if we're working on attachment stuff, you know, we really look at this and how does it actually show up in your relationships and patterns in social relationships might be inconsistent or barely noticeable at all. 
There are, however, particular signs that hint at each type of attachment. Um, and so there are, like I said, in my previous episode, there are different styles or sorry, quizzes to understand what your style is. And then after that key is that you have to really understand is my style learning about your style and being able to integrate into your life and, and sort of what to do about it. Right. Um, and so when we think about anxious attachment style specifically, in childhood, you know, what causes this? So I did mention that it's inconsistent parenting. Um, and that is usually how it rolls out. And so sometimes the parents or the caregivers of a child will be supportive, responsive to the child's needs. And so in that moment, a child feels securely attached, but then there are other times where the parent or the caregiver is misattuned to the child and what they're asking for, what they need in that moment. Um, and this is that inconsistency that I'm talking about. So this inconsistency might make it difficult for the child to understand what the parent or caregiver's behavior actually means and what response they're going to get. So they're not getting that consistent message of security from that person, from that parent. And therefore it's unpredictable, right? And a big thing that kids need in general is consistency and safety in their caregiver. And so this child that's going through the situation where sometimes their parent is like listening and take and takes care of their needs. Sometimes they're not, this child could get confused about their relationship with their caregivers and, and, you know, their relationship with the caregivers and their, the, what the caregivers behaviors actually mean, because they're sending mixed signals. And so if you're listening to this, you know, I want you to think about parenting and I don't mean that you need to 110% be this perfect parent where you're always, always on board and on point with your parenting and meeting your child's needs. It's not that, you know, it doesn't have to be hundred percent of the time. So please remember that when I'm saying this, um, but most of the time, consistently, your child needs to feel like, okay, I can trust in this person to meet my needs because that's the job of a caregiver. It's not the job of a child to figure that out on their own. It's not the job of a child. I'm talking early childhood here. Um, it's not the job of a child to do that for their siblings, anything like that. Okay. Another factor that is really linked to this sort of anxious, ambivalent attachment style in children um, is what we would call emotional hunger of child of the caregiver. And so in this situation, a caregiver would seek emotional or physical closest with their children in order to fulfill their own needs rather than their children. Right. So these are the kinds of parents who are doing things like potentially they are nervous or scared that their child is going to not need them anymore. So therefore they hold on to them. Some people would call these people helicopter parents, intrusive, overprotective, controlling, um, right. And so essentially they're using their child to satiate their own hunger for love or to present their own selves in a certain light, AKA like I'm the perfect parent. And so I'm always going to be in my child's life. And this is a big thing, you know, when I, when I work with women and they say, you know, I have low self-worth or low self-esteem and we really dig into what, what that means for them and how that's come about. Some people are like, Oh, I don't know why I do, because I had a good childhood I didn't have trauma, anything like that. But then when we look at it, a lot of these people who are confused usually have parents who were overprotective, were helicopter parents who never let them safely explore the world on their own or learn how to self-soothe. So how do we develop self-esteem or self-worth if we're never given the opportunity, right? And so 
again, this is a big thing that we would call like emotional hunger from those caregivers. And um, I think it should be noted that raising a child in such a manner of what I've been just speaking about might also be living on autopilot and an unrealized pattern in adults who were raised in the same way, right? So if I was raised that I have to be protective of my child and I can't let them figure out the world on their own, um, and I have to t- use my child to take care of my own emotional needs, I'm going to then have that, maybe that unconscious pattern in my own parenting. Right. And so caregivers whose children develop this sort of what we would call a bivalent attachment style, our research shows that we are, they are more likely to have an anxious attachment style themselves. And this is not about genetics, but it's about the continued continuity. Oh my gosh. You know, me and my words, the, um, consistency of behavioral patterns throughout the generation. Sometimes I just have to choose a different word because my brain is not going to spit out the word that I want to say. Um, so that's just how my brain works. It's quite, it's comical at this point in my life, but, um, so essentially that consistency of behavioral patterns throughout generations, right? It's not based on ge- genetics. This is what we would call nature versus nurture, nature, meaning genetics, nurture, meaning how, um, I would, the environment and what I was raised. And so this would be an example of a nurture thing. And so when we talk about children, um, how do we know, you know, which children are going to have a higher risk of developing this anxious, ambivalent attachment. And so like previously, I just talked about obviously the caregiver's behaviors that might threaten the child's ability to sort of form this secure attachment, um, and inconsistent responsiveness to a child's emotional needs, misattunement and emotional distance, as well as, like I just said, this helicopters of preoccupation intrusiveness in the child's life are some of the risk factors. Um, and then on top of that, there are also other things that are linked to this as well is physical or psychological abuse. So any sort of abuse, essentially the ACEs. And also if a child had early separation from a caregiver. And so for my story, um, if you've not heard this before, I'm adopted. And so I definitely have some anxious, um, attachment in my life. And I've done a lot of work to work through that, but it's because, you know, from a very young age, I had the separation. Um, and then I also, on top of that, had a caregiver caregivers that were still inconsistent. And so this is sort of what my story is. And so you can understand how, how it shows up for some people. Now I want to note that it's having an insecure attachment style does not mean that you have a mental illness, mental disorder, it's extremely common among adults. And in most cases, it's not really anything to worry about. Having said that, the problem is, is when you're having unstable or insecure attachments in relationships that are causing distress, that they're harmful to your relationships. And that's sort of when we think about where, when we actually need to start addressing these things, right? So I can never fully attach, feel securely to another person. That's a problem, right? Because every person needs to have connection with other people. And when we think about, we talk about this ambivalent attachment in children that then translates into anxious attachment style as an adult, how can we sort of recognize this style in somebody? Um, And the big thing that that research shows is that adults with this anxious preoccupied attachment style might think highly of others, but often are living with really low self-worth, low self-esteem. Okay. And so these individuals are really sensitive to, um, and attuned to their parents or not parents, partners, needs, friends, needs, but are often insecure, anxious about their own worth that they bring to that relationship. 
And so a lot of codependency things, people pleasing, you know, these are also um, in regard to like this trauma um, response, abandonment wound, right? The abandonment wound comes from that inconsistent um, showing up of the, of the parents and stuff like that in your childhood. And so if a loved one rejects them, you know, if, if I loved them reject me, let's say, and I have an anxious attachment style or fails to respond to my needs, then I might internalize that blame myself and label myself not worthy of being loved. Right. So instead of being able to communicate that I am feeling anxious and now I'm overwhelmed and now I'm demanding to have my needs met. And this is sort of, you know, pushing that other person away, or they simply just cannot meet my needs in that moment. And being able to rashly see what's in front of me, I instead internalize that and take the blame onto myself. And so generally adults with anxious attachment will need consistent reassurance that they're loved, that they're worthy and that they're good enough. And this, there's also this really strong fear of abandonment, right? And this might cause anxious adults to in, feel intensely jealous or suspicious of their partners as well. And so this anxiety or this fear or suspiciousness can lead to them becoming desperate, really needy, clingy, and really preoccupied with their relationships. And they're often usually also afraid or not even really afraid sometimes, essentially just incapable of being alone. So when you think back to your childhood, if there was an inconsistency on your parents being there for you or meeting your needs, you're scared. Unconsciously, you're going to, have to carry this message that I am terrified that I'm going to be left again. And so therefore I don't want to be alone because it's a really unsafe, uncomfortable feeling for me. And so then we are going to be able to, at that point, seek intimacy and closeness. Um, and they're usually going to be highly emotional and dependent on other people. And so the presence of a loved one appears to be this remedy for this, for a person living with anxious attachment, their strong emotional needs. And so you can see how this can be problematic. If I never feel secure and I'm always anxious that my partner's going to leave me, I might have that belief that I'm going to be abandoned is going to drive behaviors in my life that I might get short-term benefits, like being told I'm loved, being told me that I am worthy in this relationship, but the long-term consequence is that I might push that partner away or that friend away because it's a lot of work to caretake that right. To always be emotionally responsible for, for a person's friend or a partner and having an insecure attachment. Like I said, like it's, it's, it can be really tiring. It can feel like you're on this emotional roller coaster all of the time. You know, there's a lot of linkage to anxiety, stress, unhappiness, and overall, uh, low self, so low life satisfaction, because when it comes to adults with anxious attachment styles, relationships can be either, and I guess both life-saving and life-threatening. And so on one hand, this fear of being alone or being rejected is really like a poison and it's disturbing. It's a disturbing feeling, which leads to this constant doubt and worry about that relationship. But then on the other hand of that, the presence of this loved one and, and this um, demonstration of this person being affectionate is what you need as well. So you can see how it's like this rose and a thorn sort of situation. Um, and, and I think another thing to note here too, is that person that is anxious might be insecure about where they stand in the relationship all the time, whether their partner loves them as much as they do in return. And 
as a result of that, the slightest disappointment or sign of rejection from a partner can be harmful to the already low self-esteem that they're living with. And so this is why it's so valuable to get to know yourself, get to know your attachment style, get to know the roots of your low self-esteem so that you can start to understand yourself. And then I always say to people, I want people to date from their worth, not their wounds. And this means that it doesn't mean you have to be perfect or completely healed because no one's ever going to be that way. Let's be real to have a relationship. But that means that myself, like I said, you know, I have anxious attachment tendencies. And when I've been, I've been with my partner now for seven years. And in the beginning, I definitely was like anxious, worried, um, you know, caring beliefs and behaviors that I had from other relationships in my childhood. But now I, I don't have those doubts at all because I've learned to understand myself. I've learned to communicate who I am as an individual to my partner and vice versa. And so then I can develop a secure attachment because I understand how I'm showing up and how I can integrate and take care of myself and self-soothe myself. Because at the end of the day, this is what we have to do. We have to learn how to self-soothe ourselves if you're living with anxiety. Um, and so when we talk about, let's, let's start talk about changing, right? So like I said, the attachment style that you have is not set in stone. You can shift it. Sometimes a change can happen by itself, meaning that a relationship with a securely attached individual can facilitate this emotional openness and sense of calmness, stability, safety. And this new experience can lead to a shift in your own perfect, uh, not perfection, perception to new habits, to new patterns, to understanding that, okay, this is what secure attachment feels like. Um, and other times you might have to work hard on that, right? You might have to really dig deeper, which is what the work that I do with the women is digging deep. So you, you can't change your past. I always say this, you cannot change your past. Trauma is not your fault, but you can change your present and your future, and you can be responsible for your own healing and evolution. And so one key to healing insecure attachment style is to make sense of the way that you interact with your loved ones, especially with your intimate partner or partners and recognizing your behavioral patterns and relationships in general and being mindful of them will make the issue easier to solve, right? So the key thing that I do in my programs is not, it's not about talk therapy. You have to do inner work. You have to do self-reflection. It's extremely important in any sort of evolutionary journey, but especially figuring out attachment stuff. You have to be able to analyze and make sense of your childhood experience to actually move forward. And I always say, but it doesn't mean I'm going through every detail, but I need to understand what got me to the point of where I am today. So therefore I can stop living by that narrative and then recreate my story. Um, and so realizing that past experiences don't have to affect or predict my present or my future is going to make it easier for me and anyone doing this work to break free from these behavioral patterns that we have from these habitual things from our autopilot, our unconscious system, right? We have to be able to realize what brought me to this point. Um, and so, you know, there, I, I always say to people, if you're really struggling and you're not really being able to work through this, reach out to someone, reach out to a therapist, reach out to me, you know, whatever it is, whoever you want to work with. Um, cause it's really be beneficial to help someone else outside be able to see you call you on your stuff, um, and be able to sort of move forward with you and help you 
earn and learn the secure attachment. Okay. Um, and so that is all I have to say about an anxious attachment style. I'm curious if you have any questions, please send me a message on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, and, um, let's chat about it. If you're worried about this, if you're worried about your anxious attachment as well, send me a DM, send me a message and we can chat about how to sort of move forward. But I hope this is helpful. And then in two weeks, don't forget to check out the episode when we talk about avoidant attachment styles. And a lot of times you will notice if you are living with an anxious attachment style, you may be always attracting avoidant attachment styles. Um, and so it's always interesting to learn about your own attachment style as well as your partner or your friendships. So again, you can better understand each other, being able to help each other heal and evolve. Okay. So peace and love to everybody. Hello, lovely human. And thank you so much for listening to this episode of Authentically You. It truly, it means a lot to have you here listening. And I hope you really took something away from this episode. If you are ever looking for more, check me out on Instagram. I am posting inspirational stuff there all the time. And if you ever want to dig deeper, please reach out to me as well. And let's have a chat about you doing some deeper one-on-one healing. Cause let me tell you that is when the true magic happens.